Hey, Lights, Camera, Barstool listeners, you can find us every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Barstool, episode 328. Jeff Loken, Jeff Trollballens coming at you with a another edition of this show, uh, but one that features a 2021 movie. That is right, we've moved on to the year 2021, uh, and we're reviewing a movie about 2020 things called Lockdown on HBO Max. Oh. Folks, P.U. Oh, oh boy, P. Uh, I'm not ready for this. P.U. Stinky. I mean, though it was it was a brilliant commentary on uh love and life in the age of COVID. <laughs> with a with a sprinkling of of uninteresting heist. Yeah, it's a we do, do, just Argue, I'll, I'll say right now the worst heist I've ever seen in my life. It's <laughs> the worst heist movie ever it, made. It it is it's a, I would fuck it. I'm gonna I would say let's wait. It's like Calling this a heist movie is like saying that you're going to have a baseball movie and all they do is field ground balls before the game starts. Mm-hmm. It's like there's – it is – oh, man, this movie fucking sucks. It's a baseball game with no hits that the game just, like, defaults. Like They, they just, only they show in between the innings, yeah. Like, it just – No uh, hits. I don't know why I went to baseball right away. I don't know, Moneyball maybe. I think about Moneyball earlier. Um, God, bad movie. You want a bracket later? Is that right, True? Yeah, I'm still. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I haven't figured it out yet. But actually, you know what? I think what we're gonna. No, it'd probably be bad radio. I don't know. I was thinking about the Super Bowl logos, like coming up with our top five. But Ooh. that's you know you can't really if you're driving. That might be too driving, visual. Yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. driving somewhere, it's it's gonna be bad because I love the old Super Bowl logos. I went back and was looking because I was going to like ESPN and I looked at the you know Super Bowl matchup because i didn't know who was playing in the super bowl and then i i went there i mean that was a joke i knew it was playing but i went <laughs> there that. and then i saw the logo and it's it's like one of the generic logos that they've been using pretty much ever since roger goodell took over um 
and they used to be so colorful and so fun and very representative of the city in which the Super Bowl was hosted. And now they're just generic silver fucking corporate monstrosities. When they changed over, they would put the stadium in the back too. At least they would mm-hmm. do like a like a metallic stadium. Now there's just nothing. Now it's just the letters. Like they somehow made it more boring. You can actually trace when Goodell became like bigger than the league in a sense in terms of the way people viewed him right around when they changed logos. Because the first one they changed for was the Cowboy Stadium one, the Packers Steelers. But even then, you were like, oh, "This is kind of weird." But like Packers. Cow like Cowboy Stadium's got like that that metallic like Death Star type shit going on. So like, all right, all right, I could see that working. And then the next year you're like, oh, that's just the same logo. They just they just did a new stadium. Just don't want to spend the money on that extra fucking budget. I guess they look they look so corporate and boring now. My my favorite thing about the NFL's whole standardization is um, the the song they made specifically for the trophy being walked out onto the field. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I'm sure they paid like John Williams or like Henry Gregson Williams. It's one of the original NFL. That's one of those NFL film songs. Like the package, like 20, 30 songs. That's like the champions one. No, I know it. Really? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. Well, I know we know this. I referred to though, in my brain anyway, as the Super Bowl song as well, though. So it's always some crusty former Super Bowl champion walking out there with the trophy. Yeah. I like um it's literally I mean, called I, like, I, like, I like the NFL film songs, but that one's called just the seems... the Lombardi Trophy by David Rabadou Rabadou, who does all the NFL film songs. But just yeah, called the Lombardi I, Trophy. Well, now I feel bad because I, I love the NFL films music, but that one that one I don't like because that fa- that sounds like the song that, you know, if you had a generic football video game without the licenses for any of the teams, it sounds like the song they would play when you yeah. when you won the the big one, the big game. The big game. The celebrations um, in every single sports game I've ever played have always been so underwhelming. Like, I don't know what I expect them to be, but they're never, like, that satisfying. Especially if you play, like, full seasons, like, by, like mm-hmm. user-played games, not simmed. Well, it's very they, underwhelming. They haven't... The, the thing about... We can go back into complaining about sports games. I don't know if they haven't tried or they just don't... Or it doesn't work or they don't have the technical level to do that. But there's just not enough stuff on the sidelines. Like right, the, the, never has been, never has been, and I know it's like it's a waste because you're. It's always the same to... six figures clapping or three models clapping with their jagged elbows, and so part of a big celebration would be like getting. I I feel like more side, you know, like people running off under the field from the sidelines, uh, and I'm sure they could do that, but it, it then again and probably you're probably wasting system resources on on rendering sideline well, players and coaches that have no overall impact to the game do that instead know. of spending fucking jillion dollars on like the my nba player card system or whatever that is like do people actually and like i'm sure there are but like do, do, do no, a dude. significant portion of 2k players play that game mode the the, the, the whatever the yes. card game thing yes I, th- yeah. I would probably say that's the game. I don't know they a single person that plays that plays it. I know everyone I know but, but that plays franchise or online. But it's it's not like a huge player base. But I think it's a player base that's willing to spend money to buy packs or. or and that's whatever. where the yeah, yeah. But but yeah, but I like it because just the open other day, I bought a bunch of packs and I got a platinum uh, quadri Ismail card. <laughs> and slotted in, slotted in really well with my team. You got a gold Chris Copeland card. From the Indianapolis uh, pa- or Indy, yeah, Indiana Pacers 2013 team. 
what fucking epic moment that was. Got a, got a Rick Smith's bronze guard. <laughs> I just I don't get it. I, I just would really love for a franchise mode to be done right for one time, for God's sake. At least I, I will give them this though. At least with, with 2K, I got 2K21, and they do allow you now to turn off a lot more of the. Uh, stuff that you don't give a shit about like a lot of the franchise finances stuff which i always despise doing in 2k you can now just turn off like the stefan rule the fucking like like a lot of the caps shit that like you just don't want to do because it's just too complicated you can now like get rid of nt morale which like yeah sure it's a real thing but it's just annoying as shit in every game because you you put together like the the team of all 95s and like they just don't gel for the first like full season you play with them it's annoying NFL 2K still had the best one, best presentation, halftime shows, Sports Center. They did like the whole fucking thing. Chris Berman came on there. You put your own music in for the stadium. Still the best. And it's insane that they still have not been able to replicate that. It is just crazy. Um, anything anything else? Other other things? Happening? I don't think so. I mean, I'm still I'm just I still got a whole bracket to try to think of. Well, I'll let you think of things. It's Jared's it's, it's Jared's number one. I'll gas up a product that I tried today. People like okay. people always know I, I I dish out about some products. Uh, this oatmeal thing from Shark Tank called Go Oats. There there are these these balls of oatmeal and they're like covered in like a uh, depends what, what which one you get. If you got like a blueberry one, I got the cinnamon brown cinnamon sugar. 130 calories. You heat up these like three oatmeal balls in the in like the oven, the microwave. They're incredible. Do they melt Fantastic. or do they just they retain ball form? They retain ball form. Ball? They're okay. like. Like they're like a, like a breaded almost. They're they're it's hard to explain. Look up Go Oats. Can't find them anywhere. You got to order them online because they're all sold out oh. of Whole Foods. Because isn't that this where is you the went... product I told you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, this is the one I was embarrassed to be like. Excuse me, sir. Shark Tank. Do you have any Go Oats? And the guy's <laughs> like, Oh, you somebody's been watching. Little buddy's been watching Shark Tank, hasn't he? And you're like, Yes, sir. Do you have it any? Delicious though. It's in a little ramekin and all the ads. I like that. Yeah, they come ramekins these, are very little, aesthetically pleasing. They have like the little brown thing that you can like, or a little like like paper thing you can like carry them. They're they're cool. They're very good. <laughs> carry them like yeah, a, like, like, a, <laughs> like a pouch for your goats. I was I would never use, but Mark Cuban had it, and so I was like, ah, the cubes got it. So Mark fishing Cuban. with the cubes, Chris Daughtry. Um, yeah, so I guess that's goats. I can no 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 other food though. I didn't I didn't try anything else. I've been eating. No, I just don't. I don't eat food. No, I just I haven't. I, I don't. I don't do the, the snack trying. And also, like the limited time products, like they're not really. Oh, they're still not really had, back in Manhattan all that often. I had these uh these these Quest uh, protein chips. They're like they're almost like pop chips. They're really good. They're sour cream and onion ones. Do you guys see them on the screen? This is podcast radio. Sour cream and onion really is a is, uh, is, is a flavor that can go on most anything. I like it. Who thought of that, man? Who's just like, yeah, sour cream. You know what this needs? It really needs some onion. Uh, that's what'll wrap this all together. But nothing else. I actually like sure so. my 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 YouTube kick has been different lately. I've been like, I watch different things every week, and this week it's I'm just I just watch videos of Michelin star chefs preparing at their restaurants, and it's just fascinating. But one of one of them was was a, a Japanese restaurant, and they did some sort of like sour cream and onion like sushi thing they did, and it was fucking awesome. Love I've that. never seen anything like it. Very cool. Um. All right, I don't, don't, we'll have to, we don't always have to go 20 minutes on non-news, so I guess we'll, we'll just pop in the news. There's some video game talking news as well. Um, but this episode, two sponsors today, brought to you by Roman. Our good uh, friends yeah, at cause, Roman. Because me and Trill are going to go nonstop uh, about the Resident Evil mommy milker vampire lady. <laughs> big, 
big big vampire lady, like eight feet tall. Big. <laughs> Step on me. <laughs> uh, most guys they knew what they were, they knew what they were doing. Most guys have tried waves to last longer, but think would thinking about the vampire lady make you last longer or no? Nope. No. Mm. Okay. No, they did not design that vampire lady in Resident Evil for that. They designed it her specifically for for like fan art. Yeah. Uh, Roman swipe secret to longer lasting sex. Uh, Roman swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. Effective, easy to use, fast acting, no prescription, and they come in discreet packaging, unmarked. People won't know what you're getting there at the doorstep. The mailman doesn't deliver them and make fun of you or anything. Uh, they're super easy to use. Take the swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry. And you're good to go. That is it. Go to GetRoman.com slash lights. You can get your first month of swipes for just five bucks when you choose a monthly plan. That's GetRoman, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash lights. Uh, news. We also have an interview with Fisher Stevens today, uh, mm-hmm. director of many great documentaries, one of them being The Cove, that dolphin documentary. He won an Oscar for it. He plays Hugo in Succession. Uh, he also directed a new movie um, with Justin Timberlake. That is going Palmer. to be... Uh, Trolls 2. Yeah, that's going to be on uh, <laughs> Apple TV Plus. Hearing um, good things. It's I, well, I, I had the chance to uh, to check it out before we interviewed him. We we got it in like I got it in like right under the wire. Um, it comes to Apple TV Plus called it's Palmer in, in in a few weeks. So I'm sure we'll review it. Uh, but yeah, we interviewed him. It was it was a good interview too. Smart guy, movie guy. You can tell when they have like their their out like I like when the interview like the interviewees. Yeah, interviewees gel with us, even though they're much smarter than us when it yes. comes to movies. He would fall in that boat. Absolutely, you get yeah, to. You just got the vibe immediately. I'm like, oh boy, this guy's smart. Yeah, I don't know if he was gonna. He ended up being funny with us. That was that was cool. He also yeah. produced tight. He like, and also I mentioned this last week, but he was one of the producers of Tiger King, and and that definitely shaped his viewpoint of releasing things because uh, obviously that blew up in quarantine. Uh, but video games, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, getting a reboot. Uh, Lucasfilm, uh, it won't be with EA. It'll be a different developer. Uh, thoughts on this? I mean, this is obviously fairly big news. Um, and this is another one, like the open world game, that the hype will be astronomical. How will it ever live up to said hype? Kendrick, did you play Knights of the Old Republic? I was never a coder guy. I was never I, a big a big time coder guy. I was always more of a um, I, I loved the tie-in video games to the movies and I liked uh bat, like Battlefront and Battlefront 2. Those were like my main Star Wars games growing up other than X-Wing versus Tie Fighter, which I think my dad bought for our old ass compact. Those are the only ones that we really played. You're kind of too young for Knights of the Old Republic. I I I I'm like the right age for it, but I just never I never got into it when they actually came out. So I don't I don't know too much about them other than uh, I won't. I don't even want to say they're cult classics. I think they're just classic video games. I think they're developed by Bioware. And people really like the RPG elements of the the coder games, and um, that's what they're gonna. That's what I feel like that fan base is gonna expect. They're gonna expect some heavy duty role playing. Uh, the Star <laughs> Wars fans wanna wanna role play. Any. Yeah, you be the Wado, tonight. Yeah, they the, the entire game. There's a Wado path you can take where you just sit at a stall for for 18 hours a day, negotiating on different different pod racing parts. But no, they, they think the original games had like you know light light side, dark side path you could take, and people like that. Even though the choices were like, you know, the light side choice was do I do I save a bunch of these animals or do I kill them? 
They were always very, very like absurd dark side choices, but they'll be looking for the role playing stuff. And I, I like the, the role playing stuff is something I don't feel is like scaled up that well with like the increases in technology. I think part of it, the disappointment with cyberpunk was people expected more of a role playing game where you can kind of tailor your character and have different choices in the game and have a personality. I think it's just harder to do because you're making all these gigantic big games and you're spending so much money on it to create like multiple deviations of the plot. But I don't know, you know, maybe the, maybe they'll do it. Like the other games, like Witcher did it, right? Same developer. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think people are going to be looking for the role-playing stuff out of it. Beyond that, like I don't really know. Lightsabers, Babu Frick, maybe. <laughs> That's what we want though, right? Like an open world RPG Star Wars game should kill. But the problem is kind of what Jeff mentioned before and that there is the expectations, especially now that because of like the love I think most video game players have for the of the Old Republic, like there's just almost no way to reach that level of expectation. But I mean, all you really need to do is make a serviceable game. All right. Like, I don't think it's it's I'm making it sound so much more trivial than it really is, but just make it tr- like a serviceable open world rpg don't fucking go crazy with like trying to make some insane new like uh, uh inventory package or some insane new combat system or ui and any of that stuff just make it simple like, keep it simple stupid literally mm. i don't know though i think people are looking for more than a competent game that's the problem is you uh but they haven't had one when's the, what's the last competent star wars game well I I mean, think, you could I you could argue order. battlefront yeah, but even that, yeah, but even that, that was a fairly competent game, and like it was considered one of the best Star Wars games ever made, just because of it relative to how much better it was to so many other Star Wars games. Yeah, uh, I, you know, maybe you're right. I, I just, I just think the big one is that they've created this gigantic universe, but they haven't really made a video game where you can feel like you're your own like being in this universe, right? And so it'd be nice if they, if they were to do some sort of more role-playing where you actually felt like uh, you weren't just like, you know, Archie Jedi or, or, you know, Luke Skywalker again, or someone else. This new game features our character, Archie Jedi versus Darth Jughead. Jughead love Jughead loves to eat hamburgers, man. That's, that's one thing you know about Jughead. He has that stupid hat and he loves the burgers. Can't get enough of them. Do you remember that viral video of the guy dressed like Jughead that gets like tasered? He just like falls flat on his face. It's very funny. I'll pull it up one day. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm all for more Star Wars games as long as they're good. And I, I did. We talked about Fallen Order. I feel like almost just too uh, flippantly there. I did like Fallen Order. And I, do, I did actually like the main single player campaign from Battlefront 2. It just wasn't long enough. And so, I don't know, man. Just I'm all for more star, good Star Wars games. I, I, the open world one is the one I want. I mean, I'll play, and I, I played KOTOR. Like, I'll definitely play it when it comes out. Um, I didn't like the newer Star Wars game. Like I said, it's not my thing. And when I saw that it was compared to uh, Ghosts of... Was that what it what, was? Tsushima. That, is that the game they compared it to? No, it's, it's, it's Se- a Souls... Sekiro. Soul, it's a Souls-like game. Like, the Sekiro's yeah. is a Souls-like Yeah, yeah. So when I type. saw that, I was like, well, holy shit. If I'd known that, I would have never bought it. That's because I knew that was not my type of game. You know, I enjoyed watching you guys play it. That was entertaining. Um, oh, fuck, man. HBO Max developing a Harry Potter live action TV series. That's not shocking. The only thing is shocking is that it just got announced. Like, obviously, they need to cash in right on Harry Potter because it's one of their franchises at Warner Brothers and they need to make money off of it. And I, uh, critically speaking, not financially speaking, the Fantastic Beast franchise isn't that great. They're. 
there should be a way to make this really good. And the way to do that is to number one, have make sure the showrunner is someone that is detached enough from JK Rowling and smart enough to make and create their own world using the IP that's already built out from this world. And they also just need a really good budget because making magic on a TV budget might be a little hard. So if they have a good budget and they have a really good showrunner, I, I don't see how they don't cash on this big time. And that could fill up the void that they've kind of had since Game of Thrones left as far as having like this big fantasy epic show. And we already have a built-in audience from the Harry Potter people. So, I mean, it should go. But, I mean, I'm making it sound, again, way too easy by just saying, yeah, well, if you have a good showrunner and a great budget, the show should be good. But, I mean, it should be exceptionally good considering the built-in audience that they're already going to have. I don't know much about I, yeah, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about Harry Potter to execute on a live action TV. We call show. that the Harry Potter pause in the biz. Did that that's I the real term. That's the called the Harry Potter pause. I, I don't know what people want. I, I just hope what, she doesn't I hope Jake Rowling doesn't meddle. I mean, she will. She will. She's like not involved at all. Yeah, that's actually that. Collect the check. That but see, that's like asking it. for so much, right? Yeah, just give her the money, tell her to go sit off to the side. Did you do you know the did you ever hear the reason that we talk about why one of the reasons why they never built Hogwarts at Disney why they never built the Harry Potter land I don't think we talked about it no She wanted one single train to shuttle guests back and forth so like it's in the Magic Kingdom and then there's a train and then you go in this to this remote part of the park back and forth only one train and they were like that's the dumbest fucking idea we've ever heard in our lives it could be and a now, logistical now, issue Disney did apparently uh, their mock-up was bad. It was not a great mock-up. And her counter was this, which is absurd. And they don't do that at the new Harry Potter park. It's you just go into the park from what I understand. Uh, But yeah, it was like, logistically, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. Like you've been to Disney trip, like go any theme park that's busy. You want to take what would end up have ended up being a massive deal. I believe it was supposed to go where Avatar went in, in uh, Animal Kingdom, so not Magic Kingdom. It was supposed to be because that was going to be like a Fantasyland, then maybe Harry Potter. But just the idea that it's like you go to Disney to go see Harry Potter Land, and you wait for one train to go back and forth. It's you're basically going on a ride to get into the park. It's an awful idea. Um, now it's it sounds universal. miserable. No, I think it's good. Now I'm I'm convinced. I I think there there'd be nothing more magical than being crammed into. Uh, a train with a bunch of sweaty tourists in the 96 <laughs> degree Orlando heat um, and and then come around the bend and then on a rainy day see like a forced perspective Hogwarts <laughs> off the bend I think that that that's you t- you look not, not even the real thing just like the no. one of the worst forced perspectives you'll ever see yeah, it's just it's like a two-story Hogwarts that uses forced perspective to make it look look like gigantic, and you can walk up to it. It's it's not tall at all. That's how Disney does things. It's kind of magical, but uh, you know, I don't I just, know. I, I honestly just can't think of anything worse than being stuck in that train. Just a single train. Like, yeah, we have one train every hour on the hour. Just shuttles all you people <laughs> when you're in the hot Florida sun from they, one spot to the other. Disney has some components that suck. Like there were some errors where they were cheap and they, they cut corners. Like the Michael Eisner error is one of them. Like the California adventure Disney is, is known. If you, if you're interested at all in the theme parks, look up just some of the California adventure, like explainers They're They're really bad. 
really bad. One ride was so bad already that it was had to be altered because of Princess Diana's death. It was all about like the paparazzi. So they had to like really like dumb it down and make it less like fast and ended up just being this like really weirdo ride called uh, Superstar Limo. But there is like a there's a forced perspective in Magic Kingdom that looks horrible and you're like, damn. Like I, I'm sure they regret that because it it looks like a miniature on top of like a. What, a what is what is the forced perspective? It's it's uh there's I know I think the, it's the castle's forced perspective, but it's Beauty and the Beast. It's huh. it's it's the Beauty and the Beast castles on top of like where you eat or something, huh. uh, and it, it's 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 a I I was reading about it before I went because I hadn't seen it, and they were like it's a it's a fun thing to go look at because it just looks fucking terrible, bad design. Uh, fix it. They got the money. Build another fucking castle. I was there for the castle cake. People might remember that. They made the cake into a castle. They once had Lilo. Wait, Stitch. They had Stitch teepee the castle. So one day people went to the park and there was graffiti and toilet paper all over the castle. I'm sure they were thrilled. Wow. That, uh, that scamp. It was the most single, it was like the most single day complaints in the history of Disney World. Because people had paid thousands to go there from other countries. And there's just this, just toilet paper all over the castle. You know, at least one or two Disney adults was going to propose to their other Disney adults yes. and other and had to freeze their plans. What's that thing that, um, well, yeah, yeah. I remember people were also, I think they were also disappointed with the castle looking like a cake because it looked like shit. They hated it. The, well, they hated the So the, ca- the castle cake to me was cool because that's how I first went to Disney. It's like that always kind of means something. But like I've now grown to realize, like I went with a family a couple years ago. I hadn't been in a while, like. And I hadn't been since I like could really understand money. It's like I hadn't been since I was like out of co- like high school or college. And like you really like start to notice the prices. You're like, holy fuck, this trip is really expensive. Um, and it was like during Christmas times, so it was super expensive. And then it made me realize, like, yeah, I feel like traveling from some random European country, spending thousands. Like the only time you'll ever go to Disney, and you go there, and it's this big pink cake, which looked <laughs> they they called the Pepto Bismol castle because it was just pink. Or like Stitch had just like farted all over the castle, which that's what that ride did. The Stitch ride, they farted in your face. But the alien, with yeah, the, uh, yeah the they, they changed ride. the alien breath to be yeah. farted upon. <laughs> yeah, you got, yeah, you got, you, they tooted on oh. it. They just farted. I'm looking at it. it. It looks like a bizarre world Kremlin, the Pepto Bismol. Yes, yes. Deranged. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It was cool to me because I was like, I was like five or do you four. Mean, do you mean St. Peter's uh, Basilica? It sure. Right, look like, at the red square. <laughs> oh yeah, you mean? Yeah, the big ass church in Moscow. You, you all know we're all on the same page here. Yeah, yeah we are. People, yeah. people. I don't think it's St. Peter's, not Basilica. I'm wrong too. I tried to own you, and I ended up. There's, there's, there's the Kremlin, and then there's the other thing. It's, I love that big statue of Walt Disney out in front. Just him holding hands with Mickey Mouse, like, look, there's Disneyland or World, whatever. <laughs> there it is. There kids. it is. Yeah. There it is. Mickey doesn't look impressed. He's like, okay. If uh, so, I, okay. One last Disney thing. If you ever go to Disneyland, let me know how it goes. People did this for uh, when they wore the balloon Jerry shirt and they saw <laughs> the old man and 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 uh, Doug. They saw Doug and Russell, and they people said they had awkward interactions. So if you ever do this, go if you go to Disneyland and you go to California Adventure, which is now cool. It's a cool park. Uh, Find Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, the rabbit that was traded for Al Michaels when Al Michaels was traded from ESPN, ABC to NBC, and just go to the mascot and inform the mascot that he was traded for Al Michaels and just see how him and the handler, how they react. 
it'll be super awkward, but just, just give be like, Hey, did you know you were traded for sportscaster Al Michaels and just see how they react? Cause I just, I, I feel like there's, there's gotta be a mild breaking character to be like, what? One of the more one-sided trades in history. Some would guess. <laughs> yes, say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also, okay. Well, if you go to avatar land, ask about the movie. Cause then they say it's a documentary and it's very, funny. yes. Cause you know, that absolutely kills them inside. They're like, Oh, the documentary. <laughs> In the documentary, uh, Jake Jake Scully is that his name? Jake Sully. Yeah, yeah. He he saved all the Navi. Um, anyway, that's been Disney talk. Uh, Harry Potter, blah blah blah. What else? There's Old Guard gets is getting a sequel. The Netflix thing. Yeah. Uh, Blacklist got renewed. Um, oh boy. We're season yeah, nine, baby. What's right. The, what's the Old Guard sequel called? Trill. Yeah. What's the Old, old Guard sequel going to be called? Trill. Come on, Trill. What's it going to be called? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, the Older Guard? <laughs> <laughs> then the prequel is the New Guard. Yeah, the prequel would be the New Guard. Um, and then, uh, okay, correction from the other day. Did you guys see? Turns out Kong is holding a battle axe. Yes. When fighting you were Godzilla. Redeemed, Jeff. You're yeah, right. it was. Or, but but really I was redeemed. wrong, too. I was also wrong because I thought it was just a flashback, but because I said he was holding a fighter jet when he blocked the uh, whatever the fucking breath is called. No, but he that he was holding the axe there, which is actually it's a large bone that was made into an axe. Thank you to Funko Pop. That's how we found that out today. It's like one of Godzilla's fins or whatever spikes is on the axe. It looks sick as hell. Yeah, it's 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 pretty neat. Um, I still like the sword. Yeah, you. I know you want the sword. I think a sword with a nice cross guard on it, like a, a really like ornate, a Gundam sword, ornate cross guard would look really cool. <laughs> no, more of like a put him in a Gundam suit <laughs> to fight Mechagodzilla. That'd be amazing. Yeah, he needs a mech, a mech suit. <laughs> yep, would love that. It's still uh, I love all the memes that have been circulating just regarding how much of a wash it should be Godzilla versus Kong. It's like Godzilla is a nu- a walking nuclear reactor that can shoot laser beams out of his mouth. You know, he, he eats nuclear radiation and shits out lasers. And then the Godzilla just like is monkey. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's just no competition. Just Kong's like, hi, how's it going? Just I'm, I'm a large monkey. Not even it's like, yeah, you're a monster, but you're not really even a monster. Like Godzilla is a monster. And Godzilla, Kong, just a big they're gonna monkey. Have to, they're going to have to really play him up. Imagine... It would be so amazing if at the end of the, the movie they rewarded Kong with just a gigantic banana. Banana? <laughs> yeah, just a big, just a big, big boy banana. The largest, I mean, he just had yeah, the satisfaction just crushing this gigantic banana. The world's largest like, banana Laffy Taffy. <laughs> banana Laffy Taffy. Gorillas, um, I will say this. I, I Gorillas, I don't think should be in zoos. They're too smart. It always makes me so. sad when I go to and primates, gorillas, dolphins, orcas, anything like that. I mean, I think you could probably make a case for for no zoos at all, but um, well, definitely they're too smart to be put in a cage and looked at all day. If they're that smart, they would probably prefer to be in a zoo then, no? Because they essentially don't have to have any fight for survival. No, but that that's just not... That's just not the way. So they're smart, but not that smart. Yeah, but the, the but the, the the thing is keeps them going is that that drive for survival. It's like that's why orcas live like a fraction of their lifespan in captivity, and in the wild they live like ninety years. 
I just made that up, but they live a long time. <laughs> mm. I believed you 100%. That's a real st- you should have yeah. said it was real. I was going to end up regurgitating that one day. Um, my friend told me. Game of Thrones animated series. Just saw that got tweeted out. Come on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Why not? Game of Thrones yeah. animated series? Sure. Anime series. Anime television series. Yeah. Hmm. I saw there's another anime series that got announced too, right? If I'm remembering correctly. I forget what. It was another like something else is getting adapted in anime. I forget exactly what it was. No, I know but... they're rebooting Spy Kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I love was it that was the one with the like, number one, two, three, four, five, right? That was or is that kid codename Kid Next Door? That's what I'm thinking of. I mean the, I the thing that, that I remember the most from that is that they had the little McDonald's and they put it in the microwave and it became regular size McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, so Spy Kids was the movie. I just I just mixed that up with Codename Kids Next Door, which I also liked. But Spy Kids is Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, and I saw Robert Rodriguez is involved in the reboot as well, which is very yeah. cool. Hopefully someone on Lake Austin again, like the first one. Uh, I got nothing else for news. It's the light news day. Like, uh, you sometimes wish we could make up news, but we can't. Saw the Princess Die picture of Kristen Stewart. Or, yeah, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I thought, that, cool. I thought that was a good casting. She looked like her. People were yeah. bitching, but, I mean, she looks like her. You, it, it's that's my one of my favorite things. I'm like, they don't look anything like him. Christian Bale looked like Dick Cheney. Like, yep. there's there's makeup and there's things you can do in Hollywood to make somebody look like someone else. It's not, they don't need to be exactly like look like the person like without makeup on. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think she'll be good. She's a good actress. Hopefully, in, in, in better things. Um, all right, let's. Uh, well, we have. Wait, did we? Did I do all the? No, I didn't do all the ad reads. I was about to say, let's talk about this fucking movie. Um, no, we have an ad read now. This episode is brought to you in part by Trifecta Nutrition. My family's still eating. Again, I, I could not bring them home. Had one great. My family had some. They love them. Uh, Trifecta is the best meal prep on earth. All their meals created by chefs nutritionists to help people get into the best shape of their lives, whether they want to gain weight, lose weight, whatever it is. Convenient, saves time. Uh, you don't have to spend hours meal prepping every week. You don't need like 50 Tupperware containers lined up on your stove so you can Instagram it. Uh, stick to nutritional goals. Their meals, they have uh, precise macros people need to gain, like I said, or lose weight uh, and meet their physical goals. Science-backed nutrition as well in Trifecta's meals. Fresher food, farm-to-fork, never-frozen, organic produce, gluten-free, meat that is an animal level five, highest possible. Uh, no waste of time cooking or cleaning. Just heat it and get healthy athletes use it you will love it my family uses it uh they really enjoy it you got the low stamp of approval shop meal plans and get 40 percent off meal prep with code lights l-i-g-h-t-s go to trifecta nutrition.com slash lights for this exclusive offer great food thank you trifecta all right we are joined now by fisher stevens we're talking not just palm we're going to start out with palmer today apple tv plus january 29th starring in the lead, Justin Timberlake. Before we get into it, though, how are you doing? What's 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 going on with you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm in New York uh, and uh, doing a lot of interviews for this film and uh, working on a acting on a TV show uh, during some t- few days a week too. Hmm. I, I I wonder if where you're talking about the TV show, we may talk to you about later on. Maybe we'll get to that. Uh, the yeah. uh, Palmer, though. Coming, it's one of the first movies of 2021. I'll give a quick synopsis for those who don't know. We've talked about this trailer on our podcast before. 
film is about Eddie Palmer, played by Justin Timberlake, former college football star who saw his professional career shattered after he was imprisoned. He returns to his hometown after spending time in prison only to find trouble hounding him from his past. He then forms an unlikely friendship with a boy who was abandoned by his mother while caring for him. Eddie also meets and starts a relationship with Maggie, a teacher. I won't give away, I, I watched it, I won't give away too much. I think if I go too into detail, I give away some of the emotional beats, but what can you tell our audience that they can expect with Palmer? Um, well, I hope to uh, make the audience feel emotional. Uh, I hope they'll get a, a, a lot of laughter from this boy, Sam, who's a wonderful actor, writer, mm -hmm. Alan. I hope people, yeah, they, I hope they have an emotional uh, experience and an emotional connection to Justin's character and to Ryder's character. And I, I think you're going to see Justin Timberlake in a different light than you're used to seeing him. Um, especially, yeah, I, I was funny because I watched him in, uh, during the inauguration last night, you know, uh, <laughs> performing. And it was almost like a completely different person than I had spent uh, all that time with. You know, it's like a different character than Eddie, completely. So um, I, I think people uh, hopefully will be moved, and I think this movie is for for everyone. Yeah, he obviously Justin Timberlake. I'd say the role now, obviously, is in many things, but the role that always comes to mind for me will probably be Social Network, where he plays you yeah. know the, the glossy, troubled Sean Parker. But this one, I mean, this is it's raw. Like I think that's maybe the best way for me to describe it. It is a raw, down to earth character who's gone through some stuff. Uh, how talented is Timberlake on set? Because I mean, you've worked with you've worked with some names, whether it's behind the camera or on camera. But Timberlake, obviously, I mean, he's he's been a household name for quite some time now for many yeah. different things. What's his, his talent level has to be off the charts? It's pretty shocking, and what's even more shocking is kind of how down to earth he was, and on. I would say his work ethic is bar none. You know, he showed up on time, he had, he knew his lines, he never complained. I mean, we, we shot this movie very quickly and we would work all day and then go back at, and have dinner and work on the next day's work. So his, his discipline was shocking. And uh, for me, like as a director, it's, it's a dream. Um, his ability to kind of turn emotionally on a dime, you know, was uh, quite interesting to witness. Um, he is a funny person in real life and likes comedy and humor. So he had to really kind of put that part of him away. Uh, and I think that was something that he found extremely challenging, but that he wanted to do and why he wanted to play this part. Um, so he, yeah, he's a force, man. He's a force. And uh, we, he was definitely my collaborative partner in this uh, entire film because without, you know, he's in every scene. He, He'd show up and we'd do three different days of the movie on one day shoot. Mm -hmm. So he had to change costume and, he, you know, we didn't have trailers. He'd just go into the bathroom of the set or he'd go, <laughs> into, go into a car and he'd put on his, you know, I, I mean, that's the kind of team player Justin was. So thank God. Obviously, he became pretty well known and famous at a young age. But you mentioned there's a younger actor in this movie as well, Ryder Allen, who plays Sam, who was pretty damn good in my opinion but how difficult is that how difficult is casting a younger actor like that like obviously you come in with a seasoned vet someone like a i mean you have june squibb in this movie who's done movies forever like a pro but casting a kid and we if you ever watch behind the scenes of movies with kid actors it's obviously not very easy 
I say I was terrified. That was my big fear going into this film was, can I find the right Sam? Then can I deliver the film on time, knowing I have a kid who have child labor laws, we can only shoot a certain amount of time. Mm. Can a kid get to this emotional level? Will a kid be, you know, it, it, I, I read 300 kids. Um, and uh, I have to say, Justin's condition also with doing this film was, we're not going to roll the camera until we have the right Sam. We can't. And he's right. So yeah, it was really daunting. I was terrified. Uh, that was my big, big, you know, elephant in the room was who's going to play this part because it's a massive part. And then when Justin read with a bunch of kids, it was pretty clear once he read with Ryder, this was the kid. Unfortunately, this kid was seven, younger than the other kids, less time on the set, Seven years old. I mean, my son at the time was about five and a half. So I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I can't even imagine seven. <laughs> and, 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 we, and it was his first movie. He'd never done a movie before. So he'd been on sets because his sister was an actress, and he did a, a no-line part in Law & Order episode and a commercial. That was his entire experience. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. It's quite the resume to go into that with a movie. You're doing a movie, Justin Timberlake, from commercial and no lines to this. <laughs> yes. So we were scared, uh, but we had an acting coach with him, Lori Lively, really cool. Uh, she helped me because there was no time. We rehearsed quite a bit. I was lucky that all these people on their own dollar decided to come early to Louisiana to rehearse. Uh, and, you know, without that, I don't know how we would have done it because we, you know, you have to be on point when you get to the set. There was no time. And you want to be free and experiment. So we had, a, uh, we had an amazing uh, rehearsal period. We'd rehearse on the weekends. This boy was just always there and his parents were so cool, which is, an, by the way, they don't tell you about that either. It's not just the boy, it's the parents, man. You could have yeah. nightmare parents. <laughs> they could be like, oh, they could destroy your film. Oh he had my the God. coolest, he had the coolest parents. And uh thank goodness. So we talk about it all the time how just sometimes kid actors can come along and just blow the doors off a movie when like, you know, maybe you didn't have expectations for them going into it and then they just kill it. And we, we love to see that like we did in Palmer and Palmer uh coming to Apple TV Plus, like we mentioned before. What is appealing to Apple TV Plus and just to streaming in general for you as both a director and an actor? Well, to be honest, you know, when I shot this film, we finished Christmas in 2019 going into 2020. Uh, we were making the film to like play film festivals and doing cinema route. Uh, at, you know, March, while we were editing, I was eight weeks in the edit when we went into hardcore lockdown. I mean, those freezer trucks with dead bodies were in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. It was a horrible time. Uh, we went, you know, we, so we, we finished the film almost and we're like, we gotta, there's gonna be no movie theaters. We gotta sell it to a streamer. So we, you know, there's, you know, you guys know the streamers, there's not that many choices right now, um, but uh, we got lucky. Apple uh, has an amazing group uh, and they saw the film and it just was like an immediate, like, I love you, you love us, we're, this is the perfect. Also, Apple doesn't have that many movies, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was a good timing, it was good timing for us um, to, to be teamed up with Apple and with the streamer and they're putting it in, you know, we're still gonna play in like 25 movie theaters 
that are open at 25% capacity uh, when we open. But how, how difficult imagine. was that for you, though? Because obviously there's a lot. I mean, there are some movies like I'm not sure we'll ever see the new James Bond movie. And they've actually they, I think, talked to Apple 1.2. But so some it's like yeah. they're like, no, we are we are releasing in theaters. How difficult and how could you said March? So obviously it was a fairly quick decision. But like what was kind of the push pull for you to be like, uh, I just want people to see this movie. It, it really wasn't a choice for us. Uh, it, yeah, it was, I want people to see this movie. I want to finish this movie. You know, to be honest too, we we were a low budget movie. I, mm-hmm. There are little things you want to do. You want to get Nathaniel Rakeliff to write your song. You need a couple more bucks. Not a lot, by the way, but you just need like, you just want to make sure you can finish the movie the way, you know, an extra day of a mix, an extra day of a color correct. Not big money, but you want to make sure you can finish the movie the way you want to finish the movie. And having uh, having a distributor like Apple, you can finish your movie the way you want to finish it. So I knew that was important. The producers were wonderful and they were like, let's do it. Um, so we were, we were, we, there was no choice for us. You know, there was no choice. I didn't want this thing sitting, you know, of course. I want it. I want to get it out there. Also the timing for this movie is so right. Um and also, to be honest, after I exec produced this, you know, the Tiger King, and after mm-hmm. seeing seeing how, like, seeing what happened. Now, I'm not saying Palmer's Tiger King, but just seeing that you can get an audience during quarantine. It, Tiger King taught me, like, you know what, man? It's it. I remember we were packing our bags, getting ready to go to L.A. I was editing Palmer, and I invited all my friends in Hollywood and L.A. to come see this crazy doc series. To, premiere the first two episodes at a big screening room everybody was coming and then obviously we got canceled and netflix says we got good news and bad news the bad news is we're canceling your screening the good news is everyone will be home to watch it yes. so mm-hmm. you know Worked out pretty palmer, well <laughs> yeah i'm not saying palmer by any means is going to have that kind of audience but i feel like this is a time for the movie not only because we're all home but because of the the message of the film, the reason I wanted to make the film, it's a film about unity is, you know, which Biden actually, I, that was my pitch anyway. And then Biden kind of stole it in his inauguration speech, but it's okay, I, I'll, I'll let him take it. But it is, it's a film about unlikely people coming together and finding a family, you know? And and that was where I was at and feeling like we needed to heal as a country and as a, as a nation when I read the script, because it was right, right after the Trump election. And I wanted to kind of, go you know uh, go to a, a different part of the country because i was like one of these blind people that didn't really listen and hear and i wanted to see the other part of the country and palmer comes you know from this these these parts of america that i don't know so i wanted to explore that you know mm-hmm. and as a documentarian also i'm very curious about the world and the country and it was a beautiful experience i loved meeting all of these incredible people and uh, I think it's part of the reason the film worked out so well is we had the, the local people were part of the fabric of the making of Palmer. You talk a lot about cultural impact and just cultural moments. One show that you're involved in that has one of those for sure is Succession. Play Hugo in Succession. What's the word on Succession? Are you in season two or season is, three now? Is that the yes. show you're talking Back, about? Yeah, yeah, is that the one yeah. you're talking about you're here for? Yeah, that's that's the that's the show that I I mean I have a small role but it's so fun and I feel it was just one of these kind of gifts from the universe saying just be around people doing good TV you know and 
I, if I have no lines in a scene, but I get to watch Brian Cox and Sarah <laughs> Snook and Jeremy Strong and, you know, Matthew McFadden and whoever, I, I, I enjoy being there just looking and watching and learning. And uh, so, yeah, and it is a very, I mean, it's a soap opera drama in a way, but it's so real in so many ways. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 there's so much of real life in, in, in this. I also, I, I, these are some of the best writers in television, best directors mm -hmm. in television. Mm -hmm. So what, what a gift to just be able to be around that, um, that, and, and then bop around and go, you know, go off and make Palmer and make documentaries. And I, I'm really lucky right now that I get to do all that stuff because I do love to act, but um, it's it's it. I love acting more when it's not the, the only thing I do, but I do really, really love it. It's a, it's a joy. When do you think, tentatively speaking, that it's going to air? Because everyone is just like 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 grilling. Like we, everyone wants more content in general, but to have more good content, like a show like like Succession, like when, give us a tease. When do you think it's going to be back? To be honest, I have no idea. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we're filming now. Uh, but listen, the world is so crazy, right? So we're filming, but you know, we 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 show up on the set wearing a, a face shield and a mask, and you know, um, as all productions do. And uh, you know, you you do a take, and it comes off. You do your take, they yell cut. They go back on so things take a little longer right now but i don't know but we're, we're filming were your, season three what were your sort of uh take maybe uh for the events of the end of season two were you do you think that maybe logan was happy that ken went for the kill finally <laughs> uh i think there's a part of logan that was quite you know terrified about what kendall did but at the same time that's my boy that's my boy yeah for sure. What a genius. I, I just love working with that guy. That guy is, he makes going to work just, even even when he yells at you in the scenes, it doesn't matter. He's, <laughs> he's the best. He's the, he's the best, man. Uh, I love that guy. La last thing on Succession, before I want to just kind of talk about just documentaries versus features and, and your work in kind of both fields. But it actually kind of related to that because you, you, you do, like you said, you're not just an actor. You work behind the camera as well. You produce all of that. This show, and like, we're not just gassing up Succession. I legitimately say all the time in this pod, it's one of my favorite shows ever. Like, this is up there with the West Wings of the world for me. Like, it's two seasons, and it's just, that season finale was captivating. But it's also a show of just hateable people. Everybody on that show yeah. is incredibly hateable, which is kind of fascinating of why it works so well, because they're all so hateable. How, like, how did, like... Just from your eyes, as someone as a, as a creator who helps make things as well, not just act, like that's got to be a tough balancing act. Like everyone on the show, people dislike really, even like down to cousin Greg, but it's still a show people love these characters. That's got to be a weird thing to try to balance out. Yeah. Uh, and it's so weird because of they're like the nicest, coolest cast ever, which is really interesting, right? And it's, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe that's part of the reason that they work so well is that everybody is really there's so far from who they're playing so there's this humanity underneath these terrible people that is seeping through that makes the audience kind of can't not take their eyes off of them um but it is interesting they're all yeah they are um 
you, you can't get enough of them though. Um, and, and I think there's a, a joy to the performances, the actors, that is another thing I noticed about working with them, um, that they love what they're doing. So they're delivering this stuff with this kind of non-judgmental, just pure, honest, I, I can't explain it. I think they got lightning in a bottle partially because they just cast the most amazing people, uh, not myself included. I'm, a, I'm talking about the inner, the lead, the lead people are just so good. Um, and they just love going to work every day. And I think that's kind of infectious. I don't know. You're right. I think about that. I'm like, Jesus, there's something so horrible about everybody. But at the same <laughs> time, you can't stop watching them. And it's incredibly entertaining. I mean, let's not forget that. It's really fun. That's the brilliance of the writing. And there's so much underlying humor, you know, that you just can't. Uh, I mean, The Crown is the same in a way. Mm -hmm. I, I just started binging The Crown. I'm on season three. I mean, let's be honest. There's some, there's some horrible, horrible people. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you can't stop yeah. watching it, you know? Um, you just can't stop. And again, the crown is like, the acting is just off the oh, charts. Matt you know? Smith, Claire Foy, so good, man. Amazing. Off the, yeah, off the charts. So anyway, I, 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 it's funny because I'm binging the crown now in quarantine or, you know, in this lockdown and I'm watching, I'm seeing like, oh, there's a similarity with succession in terms of. That's an interesting parallel. I like that comp. I like that. And I just mentioned too, so you said it and you've said it as well. Documentaries, obviously you've done some, some big ones. Won an Oscar, The Cove. The difference, though, with Palmer, like, you know, you're making something that is, you know, you're, ba you're obviously basing it a little bit on real life. You kind of mentioned your intrigue and interest because you, you do make documentaries, again, reminder, January 29th on Apple TV+. Plus. But what is the difference, really, in attacking both of those things, making something that's scripted, that's not real, versus going in and making, and some documentaries that you've tackled are incredibly serious subjects, too. Mm -hmm. What's like the, the prep difference between the two? Well, there's, you know, there's so many pros to documentaries and cons to documentaries compared to fiction. So just the most, the, 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 the biggest difference obviously is that I, uh, I, I'm shooting from a script and then I go into an edit with the script. When I'm working in the doc world, what's so difficult, what takes so long is you're basically writing your script in the editing room. So editing is super important no matter what, but in a doc, editing is like at a higher level. And interestingly enough, I used my editor from Before the Flood and the Cove and Racing Extinction, Jeff Richmond, to edit Palmer. Because, oh, okay. we, ha because we had that kind of already, that relationship and that kind of uh, language that we spoke to each other. Um, so Jeff and I have worked for... 18 months on a documentary but we only had 18 16 weeks to make this so that's that's a huge thing um actors is a big deal in a film obviously casting so palmer doesn't get made unless i get justin timberlake to play palmer um i don't start shooting until i have justin timberlake to play palmer casting justin timberlake or someone of his stature is so difficult no matter what, especially when you're not saying here's $5 million or 10 million or 20 or any million, you know, when you're going, here's $2,000. Uh, <laughs> so I don't start rolling 
I am currently in production on two documentaries that I don't know what the script, I don't know the outcome, and I don't really know where we're going, but I'm rolling film. I'm rolling footage. So I'm starting to create, one of them is at, just at a uh, preliminary stage and the other one is deep into production. So that's a whole other thing, right? So I don't have to wait. Then, so there's pros and cons, right? Um, documentaries take a long time to make once you start shooting. Features take a long time to just get going and set up. Um, but then I have a seven-year-old boy that I can only film for a certain amount of hours in a feature film, right? As opposed to a doc where if I'm just filming Ryder, I'll just come to his house and film him for a few hours and then put it in. So they're so different in that sense. Why are they the same though is with a film like Palmer is you're trying to just capture, you, you wanna capture hearts and minds of an audience. You wanna find emotion. You want people to feel deeply for your characters, whether they're real life people like in, you know, The Cove, uh, Rick O'Berry, or whether it's Justin playing Palmer or Sam playing, uh, Ryder playing Sam. So there is that same, it's all about emotion. There's a similar thing that I, I when I made The Cove, uh, we made a very strong effort to turn, make that like we were watching, you were watching Ocean's Eleven or a thriller. We wanted The Cove to be like you were, fastening your seatbelts, you were in a cinema and you were watching a feature film that you couldn't tell the difference. And that's sort of been my mantra with every one of my documentaries, like you're watching uh, a sort of feature film. So I kind of been prepping for Palmer subconsciously in a way, um, because I wanted that, I wanted it the opposite effect where you're watching Palmer and you think you're watching real people, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. We want to touch on real quick before we run out of time, um, the French Dispatch, because you have a role in that as well. Is there any tease you can kind of give us for that and like just what type of Wes Anderson-ish movie we can expect there? I have a tiny, tiny, tiny role in that movie, but I would, I would literally be an extra in one of Wes's movies because he's, A, you know, he's an auteur. He's also one of the coolest people I've ever gotten to hang out with. I love him. Um, it's, uh, it's an incredible piece of work. Uh, it's luscious, it's big, it's bold. He somehow manages to weave three stories and make it just a unifying film. Um, you're going to see actors firing on all cylinders, like incredible performances and, um, Again, of course, in Wes's style, beautiful photography, Bob Yeoman, beautiful design, beautiful costumes, you know, uh, Milena, Kananova. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lush, rich three-course meal that is uh, wonderful. Wes at his best. We have to ask everyone that we, we, we ever interview that's ever worked with Wes Anderson, we have to ask this question. What does he smell like? He just looks like he smells great. He is the clean you know he's he smells like french milled soap <laughs> that's what comes it's to always mind. it's always the most yes. serious answer we get too it always is no it's everyone's like actually wait a second i think i have a good way to describe it and no one ever takes more than two seconds to know it too <laughs> he's uh yeah he's perfectly uh put together that guy oh um, great dude Palmer, like we mentioned apple tv plus january 29th we always like it at the end of every interview asking people for six movie suggestions. It can be your six favorite movies of all time. 
It can be six <clears> guilty <throat> pleasures, whatever it is. Maybe something you've recently watched you want more people to see. Give us six suggestions maybe you have off the top of your head. All right, I just happen to be well-versed because I just am doing a podcast where we're talking about 10 of my favorite films after perfect. this. So, uh, oh, perfect. Uh, I'll say, number one, Face in the Crowd, Andy Griffith, Eli Kazan, Bud Schulberg wrote it, On the Waterfront. Amazing film. Sullivan's Travels, Preston Sturgis, Joel McRae stars. Uh, I got to go always with the Marty Scorsese, so I'll say Raging Bull if you haven't seen it lately. It, it still holds up perfectly well. Uh, Murmur of the Heart, Louis Malle, really beautiful, difficult movie about a, uh, a family in France uh, in the in the 50s, the late 50s, during uh, Viet- when the French invaded Vietnam. Uh, I'll go with um, uh, Lolita, Stanley Kubrick, James Mason giving an incredible performance, and Peter Sellers. And then I'll go Animal House, just because... I just watched the John Belushi documentary again, and then I went and rewatched yeah. Animal House. And Animal House is just like... Oh my God! It's, it holds nothing, up perfectly. Nothing like a comedy that transcends decades and years and generations. That is one of them. Mm-hmm. That was great. Uh, what great timing! Uh, thank you so much. Very excited. Well, it's seen Palmer. Very excited for everyone to see Palmer. January 29th, Apple TV Plus. Thank you so much. We're excited to see you in succession. All Thanks, that stuff. Guys. We appreciate nice. you taking the time. Nice to meet you guys. Take yeah, it easy. Same to you. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about this fucking movie. Lockdown uh, from director Doug Lyman, who's done good some movies. good things and done some good bad stuff. things. He's done uh, some he's done some bad things too. Also true. I just wanted to reiterate that, Jeff, because that's very pertinent to what we're about to discuss. Yeah, uh, Born Identity, Edge of Tomorrow, Swingers, American Made. Um, that's a pretty solid list right there. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, you could count that. You don't. I won't count that as bad. I like that. That's it was an Adam, Adam Brody banger. Like, That's I don't, right, Adam Brody banger. And don't forget, he made The I don't Wall, like it, but... which is a Oscar winner. Yes, The Wall. Uh, made Jumper. Uh, but Think also, you should lead back from the ledge, my friend. Is Making Chaos Walking, which is a movie that is uh-huh. going to come out, apparently. Uh, the Tom Cruise space movie, whenever that comes out. Yeah, and now Lockdown. Uh, which is just, so it's, a, it's, it's a romantic, I'll read the production notes here from Wikipedia. It was announced in September of 2020. I uh, wrote the, wrote the screenplay with Stephen Knight, who we've all, who we also like. Uh, yeah, he does a uh, Peaky Blinders, but he also made Dad Boat. Yeah, that's, yeah. But he, again, he made Peaky Blinders. That's one of the, like the all time best Netflix shows ever made. But again, made dad boats. So. Uh, was written in July over a dare. Probably should have done something else. Shot over 18 days due to limited resources and short production window. The, orde- the order of several scenes <laughs> needed to be adjusted. Uh, Hathaway and Edgy 4 had to tape their unmemorized lines around set despite initial reports that had a budget of 10 million. Lyman insisted the cost started with um, started with a three. Okay. <laughs> it's would you rather have Vin Diesel? suck you off or would you rather direct a covid themed heist movie with anne hathaway that was his answer to the internet question that he got dared on like <laughs> like all right i get that it was done as kind of like a small fun project uh low budget but i don't know the way this thing was wrapped up and don't get me wrong this is not a knock on hbo max like i uh we 
well, love the stuff they have. We talk about all people who think we're in their fucking pocket. HBO Max, this movie, this is a, this is with super intelligence. This is a tough one. Here's the synopsis, and I have some some issues with it. Just as they decide to separate Linda and Paxton, find life has other plans, and they are stuck at home in a mandatory lockdown. Cohabitation is is proving to be a challenge, but it will bring them closer together in the most surprising way. And this is my issue. It was was kind of pitched as like a heist movie, like a crime heist movie, which, yes, crime technically is done here. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, (laughs) didn't. Every now and then you'll watch a heist movie and be like, ah, not great, but you're like, I'm waiting for the heist. If the heist is cool, it'll redeem itself. No. This movie, spoiler alert, whatever. This movie does not have a redeeming heist. It it just sputters out like a wet fart at the end of the movie. And then the and then it ends. Just like you're like, "What? What's the resolution here? What are we what what did this movie say or do about anything?" Nothing. It was it was in the Zilch. the COVID it, thing. It, it's it, it starts weak, it ends weak. This movie it's it's not the worst compared to like the worst of last year because there's there was actually there's one or two parts where I actually did chuckle a little bit but 19 out of 100 for me this movie was really fucking bad not the worst this is not a bobbleheads or a wrong missy for me but this was not a good movie this would have been in the very bottom 50 of last year for me so I think that the movie is just a tonal nightmare and that's where it fails the worst it's a tonal nightmare it's a pacing drag and it's just a total bore of a heist movie. And it was honestly like a struggle, an intense struggle to finish watching it. And I think we're going to get into more detail about where it failed. But I think, honestly, that part right there is the death sentence. It's just a heist movie with no excitement, no suspense, and no intrigue. And it seems almost impossible. But, I mean, here we are having to review this absolute piece of shit. And just to sort of break it down, I'll give it a 20. Give the movie a 20. I give it 10 points to Anne Hathaway. I give 10 points to Chibato at G4. I think both of them did a fine job with what they were given, but the problem is that they were just, they were given shit. The movie has no tone, no direction, and nothing that binds it. And it, it, what it reminds me of is, have you ever heard the phrase, a camel is a horse designed by a committee? You heard that phrase before? It reminds me of that, because when I see this, it's like there was a writer's room and that there were 500 different ideas thrown at the wall. Like, we want a heist. We want intimate romance. We want drama. We want Shakespearean dialogue. We want something timely. We want, like, elegance, midlife crisis. And instead of narrowing it down to what they should have or what they want, they just kept everything. They kept absolutely yeah. everything that got thrown at the wall. Instead well, of the, doing a few things well, they did everything piss poor. The heist was, like, yeah, it feels like, like, you know, we got to be first or second to market with the COVID movie. Yes. Um, but we don't know how to make a COVID movie that's interesting because we're still living in it. There's, there's nothing to be learned right now because we don't know what exactly we've learned because we don't know what the end of it looks like. I'm sure we've learned something, but I guess what I'm trying to say from a movie standpoint, there can't be a message because it's still ongoing. And that's where the heist comes in. Cause that, that was almost like, we got to do something here. We, there's gotta be, there's got to be something in this movie, which I, I don't disagree with by principle. But the problem is that the movie's like two hours long and it takes maybe an hour and 10 minutes to even get to the, the start of the of heist. heist. Yeah, not even just the start, not even the start, like even the, like the inception of a heist. Right. The start of the heist doesn't happen until the closing 20. 
Yeah, the, in the opening, well, let's talk about the opening scene. The opening 10 minutes is like, it's, it's like just a Zoom call. <sighs> Which like, I don't, like whatever. Movies are going to be set in, maybe they won't be set in COVID. I don't know. Maybe people are going to be like, uh, don't do that. But they're, they could be set in COVID. You don't need to hammer us in the head that it's with a fucking Zoom call. It's not artsy. It's just, a, it, it just, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you what. I, we watched it, and I watched it because, like, I'll, I'll finish everything. There are a lot of people who definitely watched the first 10 minutes and went, no, I'm out. Like, Netflix three minutes. Count, in, Netflix count would count that as a view, by the at way. At least 11 yeah, views. Yeah, 10, 10 views, man, a minimum. <laughs> bare, bare minimum. I, I think one of the things that annoys me about this movie, too, is, is that the fact that all of the aspects, or all the different angles that it took, that it failed at all of those – it really just reinforces the thought that this is just a really, really pure and hollow attempt to cash in on COVID fear and COVID anxiety, which is just, the, and that to me just makes me that much more disgusted with the movie, right? Like at least a few of they had delivered a good heist or delivered like in one, maybe let's say the, the midlife crisis aspect or the, the romance and the falling apart marriage, they delivered in one spot, it'd be easier to overlook. But it just because everything is just a glaring failure, that stands out to me the most as just being gross about this movie. Yeah, the I mean, the COVID thing's tough, right? Because I, I don't know. My initial thought is that people are not going to have an appetite for COVID related uh, media for a while. And maybe like maybe I should say like not not directly covid related like things that remind them of zoom calls and things that remind them of being locked down or things that remind them of being in their house like i think we will get to a point where movies will start revisiting it once it's it's in the rear view to where kind of the horrors of what has happened the last year have been i mean for i mean like when, i guess like when what i'm trying to say is like i think kids will grow up and they'll be interested and they get in their 20s if they're growing up in this time they'll be interested in a viewpoint to like what it was like to be two during covid and there might be at some point an appetite for those movies because like that's more of a historical documentation but right now in the midst of it it feels weird and what felt weird specifically about this movie is it's it, it was such a specific type of like being stuck in the house with covid it felt like you know it was a bunch of people in hollywood trying to relate to people like oh when it starts off we're in, you know we've been stuck in here we're in london so i'm like okay they're gonna be stuck in like a 600 square foot flat that would be yeah. or 600 square foot studio apartment oh, there's a big old house it's nice nice big old Mance. house in london so like i'm not saying that wouldn't be bad but like the other thing is like also you know the 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 perspective on on how covid has has impacted people's work is not the same like this is a very this is a movie intended for people who sit at desks all day like that's what the zoom call humor is very specific to that mindset but there is a very large swath of a population that has had no choice but to go out and work during this and that movie is not tailored at them because that's just not who this movie sees as the protagonist of getting through this COVID. now I'm not trying to overanalyze it but i'm just trying to say like I do think some of the scenes were kind of funny, like the um, the scene where she had to fire everybody on her team, because it it is like kind of you know how do you how do you do you know how do you manage something so awful and so personal and so um, you know like that over over Skype and that's a real thing people have had to do. I mean it's tough, but then you get outside that and you're just it's it's a play 
it's a play about two people who are dissatisfied and that's why I give the movie, I think I would give it a 35 because I liked that play. I liked uh, Edge of Four and Hathaway together, even though they were very self-indulgent type of characters. Um, I thought they had a good chemistry and I thought it almost was like played over the top in the same way like a theater play might be. And so I enjoyed that. But then it went on too long and then it got into the highest thing and it just wasn't it wasn't a comp or it wasn't a well-made movie. It was just a jumbled mess of stuff. And it's, it's frankly, it's not good. Mm-hmm. And the, the Shakespearean or rather the, the play thing is the thing that stands out a lot to me. Cause like, that's what I was saying. The Shakespearean thing before is like so much, this did feel like a play, but like, I, I would like to see this almost on stage, just the dynamic between Chibatella, Jafora and Anne Hathaway, like their two characters, but just in this, in this setting, it just did not work at all. It's at period, full stop. No, I mean, very good, very good actor, very good actress. Uh, I think they, and you said it earlier, is they're, they can only do so much in this movie. It, it didn't give them a whole lot. Um, and, you know, it goes back to the whole, the whole conversation, like, you know, I, I talked about like a, a show like Succession has miserable characters. It's, you know, sometimes it's nice to watch a show with miserable characters, but I almost thought these characters were too miserable. I almost thought they were like I miserable. Agree. I thought I thought they were miserable to the point where it just wasn't um it it annoyed you. Like like a character like Tom on Succession is miserable, but you still kind of root for him because he's just a dumbass, lovable, you know, guy who's kind of stuck in the circus. You know, a character like Shiv is cunning and, you know, will stab you in the back or whatever. But you root for her because you you like you know you like how clever she is and you like you like how direct she is. And this one, you're like, why these people just need to they just need to leave the house, like go to a hotel or something. Just don't be together. It it it, it felt very, it, it yeah it was it was it was too it was like too miserable. It's also like you can't empathize with them. Like I can't empathize with like a, a CEO and like a, a a biker gang guy. Like I, I just I felt it very very. It's very difficult for me to put myself in their shoes. And I agree with you in that. Like if they were more in a tough like a more intimate setting, almost like if they were in a stuck in a small apartment, if they were like regular people, it would be a lot easier for me to like kind of put myself in their shoes. But I'm, it's I don't I can't. It's too hard. Yeah, it, it was just so jumbled and, and sloppy and messy that's a thing it's like it's a sum of just some weird parts and i think it goes back to what you said in the beginning i almost feel like it wasn't like there was times where it's like did they edit this like did did they even like do anything with this in post-production it's like they just did the scenes and they dropped it into a timeline on like premiere and they just exported the movie like that's what it felt like at times like you got him doing poetry you have her yelling in the backyard to music uh, you have like work scenes, random Zoom calls, and someone like like I thought Ben Kingsley's character was pretty funny. Like that's yeah. where like the few points I have. Like there's a couple funny things. It's like, I, like you know, like there's a few ideas that I think are okay here, but it's such a mess. And then it all comes down to that heist. It's like they just boringly disassembled like a showpiece at 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 um at the department store. The most that like like the exciting quote unquote heist moment was they went and they got food in the dining or the cafeteria. Like what? What about, what about when Donald, what, what about when Donald showed up? Like, what was the whole point of that? I didn't what, get that. The that, guy at the end, the Mark yeah. Gaddis character or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he was, the, he was there to kind of throw a wrench in it, but it was like a, 
his 32nd wrench. He's like, oh no, this guy's gonna blow it all. And then he was like, no, I like beauty or whatever. It's like stick what? it to those pigs. Well, they, they, and they kept talking about, right? They kept talking about all these like these warlords and these awful people that the company works with and helps. And you're like, oh shit, they're gonna show up, huh? Like they're gonna show up at in England and they're gonna blow this thing up. No, it's never. It, it, it had, you know what remind me of Attack of the Clones. He's like, oh, well, you owe me for that one time you did that thing, and it's like, I want to see that. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see this fucked up shit they're working with. Like yeah, she's quitting. She's camera. a She's a CEO with a lot of power. And like she's quitting for multiple reasons. Like her boss clearly a fucking pervert, like piece of shit. But like she Quite also, bang. yeah, she also like, like she's quitting over like partly they worked with terrible people. Can we see that? Like the big reveal was kind of that they were going to work on the same product. Like that wasn't that interesting. It's just like, uh, it was, it was, I mean, it was, if you have not watched and you're listening to this, I would say very strongly, don't watch this movie. Yeah, don't do don't, not watch. Do this. not it press play on this, unless you're like an Anne Hathaway super fan. This is just again, this is adding to the 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 catalog of bad recent Anne Hathaway movies. Well, I started doing my rankings on our blog today on on BarstoolSports.com, and one of the movies I forgot she was in was that movie with uh, with Ben Affleck, that Netflix no, movie, the, the the War Reporter one. Yeah, um, this is how it. So what? bad they didn't release stats on it. This is how this is how things end or something. Things yeah. that end. The, the the last thing they wanted to happen or something like that. Fucking I don't remember, but that movie was bad too, dude. She's in so many bad movies. I mean, talk about this every time we ever mention Anne Hathaway. But man, just get her in some better stuff because like you can even see like she's trying really hard in this movie. It's just there's there's nothing there's there is no medium for her, her to like show off her skills. Right? She just needs to be in a better product. Yeah, she didn't mail it in. Like, I give her credit on that. She definitely did, which mailing it in would have been, um, you know, that that have been made, that would have made it much worth it. I might have made it funny, honestly. Um, she didn't, she did not mail it in, but it's just, it's, it's, it's a brutal watch. It, you know what? It, and, and the, like, that's the other thing. It's like, I know they did it on very small budget. I know they did it on a small budget. I know they didn't do it with a lot of money, with like, it was just kind of like an on the whim, on a whim thing. You know what then? If it was a dare, don't release it. It's like, do something you don't have to release. Like, that's like George Lucas did an interview on the red carpet uh, for The Force Awakens. And the Star Wars social media people were interviewing him. And they're like, so what are you doing now? You're like, oh, I'm making, like, films back home. Like, you know. I'm making films back home. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. You're a very good impression. Say, I want a Diet Coke. I want a Diet Coke. Yes. <laughs> they're a frogman now. Um and he's like, uh, yeah, I make these, these short films back home. I've been making these scripts. And they're like, oh, when are you going to release them? He goes, oh, never. You're never going to see them. They're just for me. I was like, oh, all right. I, like, okay. Like, I don't know why you told that story, but I respect that. Sure. That should have been this movie. This, this is, make this at home with your friends. Like, the, make this and just don't, don't release it. You know what I think is going to make this movie look even worse is when in a, a little bit into February, we get Malcolm and Marie, which Malcolm and Marie – that was shot in six weeks by Sam Levinson. That was a budget of $2.5 million. And I think that movie is going to make this movie look that much worse. The fact that he's going to make, or that he made, rather, a small budget, intimate movie that's made during COVID and all that, the same exact sort of conditions that this movie was made by Douglas Lyman and just make something that blows the fucking doors off. And uh, it just made me more excited for that. I want to see how, how this same exact sort of setting can be done correctly. 
and, and his, I think, too, is going to be almost more like a play in a sense. And where you can kind of see again, like, like uh, he was trying to make this almost like a play, but also it wasn't. There's was just, it was being pulled in 15 different fucking directions. I wish they just picked one. Just if they picked one direction to go in, it would have been like an okay movie. It's just such a fucking tonal disaster and such just no cohesion to it. Yeah, and just, just not good. This, 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 was a, this was a not good movie, which is. No. Not that it's a bummer. I know, like, I'm not bummed out this isn't good. There's some other ones I'd be bummed out that are coming up soon. But, uh, Trill, remind me what you gave it. I gave it a 35. Audience gave it a 25. Uh, Ken Jack a 20. I gave it a 19. So long. I know I mentioned mm-hmm. that, but I just want to re- reiterate, like, how unnecessarily long this movie was. About, like, five what hours. What was the actual runtime? Because it did feel as if I was watching that for three hours long. Go to movierankings.net. This movie was an hour and 18 minutes. It was two hours. It felt so much longer. It felt like three hours. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so this movie sucked ass. Don't fucking watch it. Bad movie. HBO Max has so many great movies. Watch one of them. Watch one of those. Uh, this weekend, what are we going to review? Malcolm and Marie, probably? That's probably what we will end up reviewing. I think it's February 5th. I thought it was going right to Netflix. Is it not? It it is. Um, let me double check. No, it says January. It's scheduled February fifth on Netflix. Fuck, man. Yeah. All right. So we got to we'll have to wait. We'll figure out what we're gonna what we'll watch. I don't know. Let me let me figure out. Maybe the Marksman. Maybe outside the wire. We'll figure out a twenty twenty one movie. Hey, I'm the Marksman. Let's watch it. <laughs> he didn't even try actually, that. Actually, <laughs> actually, I would like to. I is that a, that's available to stream again. That's one I watched on a stream a screen. Oh so no. <laughs> I streamed that one. I have that a one, gun. I got an M14. I don't think you can actually stream that one. <laughs> it's not, okay, we, maybe you should pick one that's on streaming. There's some new stuff we, on streaming. We, we have we have a preview from the the, uh, the start, the opening scene of the Marksman. You want to hear it? <laughs> I would like to buy a gun. <laughs> I want a purple heart, don't you know? <laughs> Didn't even fucking try. The trailer is so funny. Oh, I love oh that my shit. God. Oh. All right, bracket time. <laughs> it's good, but for Troll's very much completed bracket. Okay, this is this might be our worst bracket to date, but bear with me. Uh, this is this is stuff the best stuff at amusement parks amusement yeah parks. okay yeah you know we do said disney but not you know like disney's a privilege right not everybody no, I like it let's disney, roll but some people have been to like santa claus indiana to holiday world which is my personal favorite amusement park because it's here's an amusement park out of all the holidays we love yeah adventureland was mine forever never really got to go to disney world or land whatever i liked um i liked the six flags when i was growing up i like those but uh I mean, this isn't look. This isn't a great. This isn't a great bracket, but we'll get through it. We'll have a little fun discussion. Uh, first matchup is the the number one seed is the rides, and then the next the the the, the last seed in the bracket is, is is are the characters like senior favorite characters like Sylvester the cat. <laughs> <laughs> this very much applies to all other uh, amusement parks. You know, Six Flags. Six Flags has those, those Looney Tunes characters that don't quite hit the same. Nobody's ever nope. like, "Oh, look, it's Sylvester <laughs> the Cat." 
Tasmanian devil. Holy shit. Okay, Taz would be cool though. Taz. Well, well, what'd be one of the bad ones from the Wait, Center? what is? Can we clarify the matchup once more? It's it's the rides versus the ma- the mascot characters at amusement parks. Like, which do you like more? <laughs> it's Porky Pig. This feels like a one versus thirty two seed. It is. It is the last seed. Hey, it, it is the last seed. That's why the number one's playing it. It's Barnyard Dog. Are you do you, do, you, do you like seeing the characters, Jeff? Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, the characters are funny, but I think I think the rides win in, in quite a landslide here. Yeah, it has yeah, to be. I, I do too. I think I think the rides are better than the characters. Foghorn, <laughs> Leghorn, and Pepe no, Le Pew escorted out by count, police. Yeah, Six Flags guy. Does he count? The old man yeah. from the commercials for sure, and yeah, the Finger Boys are go along with them. More flags, more fun. And you got to get a Coke can. Don't forget. Yeah, always just like six Juan flags. Uribe. Six flags. Okay, we move on. The rides go ahead. Um, the next matchup is the souvenirs. Like anything you could win in the, the games or the midway or whatever you want to call them or anything you could buy at the park versus the non-ice cream food. Hmm. Food does taste so much better in a amusement park. I don't know why. It's also expensive. It's also yes. like eleven dollars for a, like a, a pizza, <laughs> and the best is when you get those little small personal pizzas, and they're always some name brand pizza, but they don't actually taste like that name brand pizza. They just have some licensing agreement in place to put them in the box of that brand. I don't think I've had a souvenir from a an amusement park that's kept, held up, but I also don't feel like I buy a lot of souvenirs from amusement parks. So I think I'll just pick food. But you don't like winning. You don't like winning prizes on games in the midway, maybe like the basketball game there. You know, when you're a kid, just draining, draining trays from outside. Yeah, and winning just a handful of spider rings that I lose the next day. To to win a uh, to win a a plush of Sonic the Hedgehog that has bed bugs (laughs) in it. (laughs) Jeff, what do you think? You the souvenirs or the non ice cream food? Uh, I'm going non ice cream food because I feel like like the pretzels good. You know what? No, you know what takes it over the edge? Disneyland churros. Okay. I was here. They're so good. I wanted to try Disneyland churros take this one over the edge. Like that, they they single-handedly lift it. You know what though? I, I the souvenirs are, are typically garbage. They're typically bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, where else where else could you get like an ornament that has the, <laughs> the Cinderella's castle in it? in july <laughs> actually so there was a- my my uh, my girlfriend's family when they went to disney 20 something years ago they bought a shit ton of souvenirs and they still use them like in their day-to-day life like they have a mickey mouse bowl that they use for everything a mickey mouse uh spatula and then like a big mickey mouse glass and they use it like every day like all the time so they held up well at least it's quality product i remember the last time i went to disney probably like 28 years ago it uh they had swords as souvenirs like some of the shops had swords yeah Yeah. there's a there's a shop in cinderella's castle that sold swords that's kind of cool that is pretty awesome i wonder if you can get like a cap gun from like gaston's blunderbuss or whatever you know what like the the burgers and the and the fries are not great and the there is one place in in animal kingdom that used to be a mcdonald's and it still smells like mcdonald's because they never stopped pumping in the smell I always like though when they have the big they have the big containers of like Heinz with the the red yellow and then the white pumps 
instead yeah. of the packages because then it feels like at least i'm getting some value in my sauce condiment additions here some, sometimes it has a, like the, the pressure is a little too high hits the bottom of the cup got ketchup yeah. and mayo all over you <laughs> i'm gonna go with an ice cream food too and then souvenirs are shit i you know <laughs> yeah. i just <laughs> you know i think of a souvenirs i think of uh I think of like 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 a handle with a ball, and you press the button, and the ball spins and makes a light. That's like what I yep. think of when I think of theme park souvenirs. I wonder if I can get a tie dye shirt with Dopey on it. I say as I enter the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> like Star Wars, like the Star Wars part of Disney, yeah. like they have these massive framed portraits of like like who is buying that and carrying and that around the theme out. park? <laughs> I got I got my my eighty by twenty por- poster oh of God. Darth Maul. Yeah, the, the, lugging the, out. The food, the food moves on. The food moves on. Well, that must have something to the group. Ah, uh, pause for a cent. Is this going to be worthy? To... <laughs> you tweet it. Tweet it out. Tweet I'm going to tweet out. that out. Oh, it's, it is. A, that is a, a tie-dye dopey shirt. Everything, everything Disney exists. Souvenirs. Um, okay, so the the, the non ice cream food moves on. Uh, the next one is the people watching versus dipping dots. Okay, people are I'm writing them all down. People watching versus dipping dots. I'm gonna go dipping dots. I like dipping dots a lot. I, so people watching I don't think applies as much when you're a kid, and that's when I enjoyed yeah. using parks the most. But like if you've ever been an adult and month there with like younger family, people watching is significantly more fun just because there is true dregs of society that go to amusement parks. So I don't know. I'm I'm torn on this, and I never really got into the dipping dots phase. Uh, later on in life so i'm gonna go people watching <laughs> never went down the dark rabbit hole of dipping d- dots you go people watching okay good jeff you gotta break you gotta break the tie i know you're tweeting out the dopey shirt <laughs> uh no i'm gonna have to go dipping dots because dipping mm. dots like let's keep the industry alive i feel like every time somebody mentions it they're they're maybe they're maybe gonna stick around for a while longer because i feel like they're on their last leg all right dipping dots moves on let's go to the last last matchup of the first round um, uh, the, the smile on a child's face is one of the best things, but amusement park versus the smile on a grown man's face. And he's dressed like Winnie the Pooh. Wait, no bottoms. <laughs> no, he's doing, pants? he's doing that. What's that Disney camouflage thing? Cause they, they don't let you, they don't let you dress as the characters to the park. So people create like outfits that are like covert. Out oh, outfits. like they were in the color, like a red top and a yellow bottom to be Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it's like it's like Disney flogging or something like that. Hmm. Disney flog. Um, yeah, because they can't, you can't you can't like wear a costume to the park. You can't wear like Times Square Elmo to the park. You're 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 ruining the guest experience. I'm gonna go look. I'm gonna you know I the 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 smile on on the grown man's face is is fun but nothing can beat the smile on the child's face <laughs> you know what i think i gotta i was gonna definitely vote for the smile on a grown man's face but you swayed me yeah for the kids okay kids the next the next little little thon reference there right uh the next <laughs> one is rides versus non-ice cream food what do you guys like you like the rides here the aka the the thing you go to the amusement park for <laughs> Feels like rides is, is an undefeated one seed that has all of the best players. Yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna put has some bad put, ones though. You're gonna put rides up against the smile on a child's face. We haven't played it. Hasn't played that yet. 
Oh, you, you don't think you don't think it's gonna get past dip? The, 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 the non the non ice cream. First of all, ice cream food major snub. Just flat out ice cream. The fact that Dippin' Dots got in. Ice ice cream was the conference champion regular season. Lost in the final. Didn't make it as an at large bid to to shitty Dippin' Dots. The Dippin' the co- Dots loss was so bad that they got booted from the tournament. The the coach of the coach of the ice cream food. Um, their season is going so poorly that they berated a, a 21 year old on a uh, post game conference call. That's how bad this season is for the ice cream. They're not going to make this bracket. Yeah, I mean, it's thinking of Dole Whip. It, I'm thinking of Orange Bird. That's a shame. Good oh, Dole Whip's so good. Yeah, Dole Whip is very Dole Whip would have won for me. But anyway, it rides I, the the food is never good enough. And expensive. There's so many, it's so many bad rides at so many different, more local uh, amusement parks. But at the same time, that is the literal reason you go there. So it is, it is tough to vote against them. Okay, rides moves on. We move on to Dippin' Dots versus the smile on a child's face. I got to go the smile on a child's face. I just sound so joyful. Yeah, but Dippin' Dots are kind of the future. It's true. The children, I mean, maybe more of a future than the children. The children don't specifically say it themselves, but Dippin' Dots does. It's in their slogan. Hmm. Maybe children need a slogan. I have to go Dippin' Dots. Hmm. I'm still going with a smile on a child's face. I'm going to ride with you, Trill. Okay. We got a matchup. That's the I ride. think without Dippin' Dots, the kids aren't smiling, but that's just me. Okay. We got, we got the rides versus a smile on a child's face. I'm, I'm going the rides. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, kids. You Once again, go. kids not smiling without the rides. I don't know. Kids kids can't really even do the cool rides, though. I'm Which, talking like... Yeah, they're on they like can, a teacup. But, like, they kind of can... You can get a fast pass at Disney for, like, meeting the princesses. So I think that counts as... Like, that's a ride, in a sense. That's an attraction. Yeah, so like, I gotta go with the rides. counted under rides, right? Kids can't ride Cobra King's Island. Can they? Check checkmate. King Daka. The King Daka in New Jersey. <laughs> like a five-year-old in King Daka. King Daka. I've never rode that, but the idea that you can go all the way to the top, have it not go over the edge, and then go back down, and then you're done with the ride. That has to be infuriating. Like I I don't know. Like that would ruin my that would ruin my week. If I went to that Six Flags, rode that ride, the tallest ride, waited for two hours, it made it to the top, couldn't make it over, and then fell all the way back down. And they're like, you got to go. You're done. That was the ride. Yeah, and I never got around to it either. Too what scared. Guys, what are you guys doing? You want to put the rides for it? It's got to be the rides. It's the, it's the rides. It's not oh, even, yeah. a, it's it's not even a question. Okay, it's the rides. So we've determined that the rides are the best. <laughs> the rides. <laughs> we've done it. We have. We've cracked the fucking code. Uh, oh, man. Hotly debated subject. People are finally fucking, put to rest. So they're going your, crazy. What are your favorite amusement park rides? Like what's Like, what are some that stick out to you? I'm a Splash Mountain guy. Splash Mountain. I don't like Splash. I don't like getting. I don't like getting. I like. Wet. I like going through the ride. Mm. Through the, the with the racist ass movie characters. <laughs> um, I, no, I love the we, song. They're changing that ride though. Um, isn't no, I it going to be Frozen? Mountain. Isn't it going to be Frozen related? Oh, Princess now? and the Frog. Oh, are uh, water parks counted under amusement parks? Sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, just, just making sure. I didn't know if the other one's separate subcategory. Kalahari Resort. I, I would pick then. Uh, I love so many rides at Swiss Splash, which is like a local Long Island water park. Alien Invasion and 
the big tall drop one, which I forget its name. It's like Tower of No, that's not right. I don't know. But there's a lot of great rides there. That was the one amusement park I frequented more than any other. I like uh I like Tower Tower of Terror at, oh, okay. at Disney MGM. Like when I was, you know, I was there a long time ago. It was kind of like maybe not after it first opened, but definitely within like the first five years of its life. Okay. I thought that was pretty cool because that was the first time I've ever been on a ride that had like a, an immersive story to it. That was that was somewhat neat. And it, uh, and it gave us David S. Pumpkins. I like I like <laughs> rock yeah I like rock and roller coaster. Aerosmith. Yeah, baby, it's me. <laughs> Welcome to my ride. The Tron ride is the next time I'll go back to Disney. Probably like two years. I want to do the Tron ride. They had a Michael Jackson ride. No, no one to ride. It was a Captain show called EO. Captain EO, directed by Martin Scorsese. Yep, Captain EO. They um they brought also it back. farts on you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like I mean, water parks or regular amusement parks more? I like both. I like both of them, man. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, the thing about water. I like. Parks, uh, there's a water park in Texas called Schlitterbahn. It's the biggest water park in the world. The one in Kansas City is infamous because that's where the kid was on that slide and his head oh. got taken decapitated. I know it's morbid, but for those wondering why that may sound familiar, but the uh, the one in the one in New Braunfels outside of San Antonio. Is a lot of fun. I shoulder bond is, is a really good time. I, f- I feel like they're fun because there's so much more like, you, you know, you're, you're like more interactive, if that makes sense. Like you can hit the water hard and you're not going to fucking die. Like if you fall off whatever other ride, but at the same time, like it's just more gross because you're just around a, around a bunch of other wet individuals. And that's just nasty like in itself. So I don't know. I'm in between. I also hate the locker scene at uh, um, water parks. Don't like that one bit. Yeah, I mean, there's something vulnerable about being at a water park, right? Like, you're, yeah. not, you're not used to, like, being around that many people with such few articles of clothing on. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, nobody, like, just because everybody's in the same boat, nobody gives a shit. And I, but the thing about water parks is, is I don't really like, I don't like the, like the water park rides. I like the wave pool. I'm a wave pool guy. All the other rides, I mean, I guess they're fine, but for me... I just I would rather be in the wave pool, but the issue with the wave pool is it's always too crowded, so you don't want to go yeah. in. It's just you know, so so I like the amusement parks. The one I've never been to, I've always wanted to go to Cedar uh, Cedar Cedar Point. Cedar Point, yeah. Cedar Point, in in uh, you can't say it anymore, but Sandusky, Ohio. I just I cannot say <laughs> that name without like just going up, but um. Apparently, you know that that's where that's where all the the biggest baddest roller coasters are. Damn, I'm looking at that there. now. This looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's where they you know that's the roller coasters are their thing there. It's supposed to be really cool. Never been. Um, they have a whole page for their food. That's how you know they're going to be good. <laughs> uh, Trill, thanks for helping us figure out the age old question: What's the best part of a theme park? You're welcome. I know there's a lot of a lot of relevancy behind that question right now. Um, we. <laughs> we will be uh reviewing something i don't know we'll have to figure it out let me let me let me just kind of take a step back and look at all the options um but there are some streaming options up there so we will be doing a newer movie 2021 um yeah that's it that's it uh thank you um to fisher stevens for the interview i'll be back on sunday we'll talk a little wandavision i know we're not doing a recap video maybe we'll do a mid-season one i don't know a lot of time it's, it's, it's a long story. Tweet at me and I'll let you know why I'm not doing them right now. We'll find maybe a shorter way to do them in the future. But I will say, being able to breathe on Fridays is a lot of fun. I enjoy it greatly. I enjoy going home and eating dinner at a normal time on Fridays. Um, 
However, we will do something eventually, so don't fret. So we'll talk a little longer about it on Sunday. I promise you that. On the pod Sunday, we'll talk a little longer about WandaVision. We'll do a little breakdown. Now, you, ha- you have my word. We'll go like 15, 20 minutes. Unless, like, it's, like, not a long episode. But I, apparently it's going to be crazy, thanks to Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Paul Bettany. He made a lot of news this week. Gave us a lot of good headlines. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, that's it for Ken Jack and Trump. Jeff, well, we'll talk to you next time. Have a good week at the bar.